Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Welcome to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is the show where we dig back into your old audio archives from the yesteryears. If you want to be a contributor to the show, email us at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Jimmy is off this week. It's his birthday. I'll, 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 I'll give him a pass. Instead, who did I find on the side of the road? But the one and only Catherine Dunn of Art Star Scene, uh, Dunn Son, and foolishly, as I forgot to plug the last time you were here, uh, Satanic Bingo every other Sunday at Bushwick Bazaar. It's true, or, yeah. Or bizarre Bushwick, sorry. I like that you found me the one time I'm actually outside. <laughs> well, Because it's usually my hosts that are found outside. So uh, for those who are more Radio Free Brooklyn listeners than Lost and Rewound listeners, totally understandable. I, you know, you're not listening to the show for me. Uh, <laughs> Catherine invited me on to Beyond Dunsun for a third time. And I was guest hosting for Greg. And we were there and you were there late. And some mermaid was there mm-hmm. that we found this other named Shelly. Yeah. And first of all, finding a mermaid in Bushwick is not a surprise. No, like, it's actually quite easy. It's quite easy. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure more of our hosts have been <laughs> mermaids just secretly. <laughs> and uh, altogether, uh, it was a, a fine show. Uh, your friend uh, Juno was a, was a d- delight. She's I, amazing. She's yeah, she's really great. Uh, <laughs> we like spent the whole day together after that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's really. <laughs> it great. was amazing. Wonder a wonderful Saturday. Yeah. So we, did she come to the uh, when you did art star scene? Yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, she was a guest on both my shows. <laughs> we went to a Greek restaurant between both episodes, like after both episodes. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right near here, and uh, I actually really recommend them. They, they did a soft open. We went to their soft open. Support your local businesses here in beautiful, beautiful Bushwick. So if people want to hear that show that we did, where can they go? <laughs> well, theoretically, they can go to Potomatic, but they can also go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, check out Dunson's page. And then I think there's a link to the archives right there. Uh, you know, if there were archives. <laughs> right. So it may not be up just yet, but it'll be up soon enough. <laughs> yeah. You've heard what is going on with Catherine's show. Now let's get on with what's happening on this week's edition. I've archived 10 episodes. She's archived 10. Of like 40. <laughs> <laughs> let's begin. This week's guest contributor is a multi-talented writer, comedian, and improviser. You might have seen her out in Brooklyn, co-hosting a weekly 90s-themed trivia stand-up show called As If, co-hosting a sex-positive storytelling and stand-up show called You Up, or heard her hosting her very own radio show on KPIS FM, the aptly but perfectly titled Making Love with Blair Dawson. Currently, she is joining me here in the studio to talk about all of that and much more including some sounds from the past. Blair, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to finally uh, get a chance to sit and like chat with you as the first time we met was in a loud bar and 
like we were standing and there was just like way more energy uh, occurring. Yes. I said hi because I thought you were someone else. Yes. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and that's how friendships are formed. (laughs) I have face blindness and I'm like, okay, well, I know you, right? Man (laughs) with a beard. (laughs) No, I have that too. I think we all in this room have that uh, occurrence where we think we see somebody and then it turns out, like, you've been on the show before, Catherine, when we had somebody who you were like, wait, I know you. Yeah, and he wasn't even from this state. Mm -hmm. And I insisted. I'm like, no, bitch. I know your secrets. We know each other. And he's like, no, we don't know each other. Look, if you are a white man with a beard, you are the same person as every man with a beard with and an, your name is tom it's just the rule and a full sleeve tattoo exactly yeah you get I, me i thought everybody in brooklyn was my boyfriend when i was dating that guy yeah you turn around and it's like oh, oh what yeah, are you doing yeah. oh you're a stranger i'm so just like, why am i so mad at you yo i'm just <laughs> grateful that someone wanted to talk to me every time i'm at a bar anymore now in my mid-30s i'm feeling really sort of like a not a fish out of water but more Socially like anxious. A dolphin in fresh water. I don't belong. Like <laughs> I'll die. Um, Is that true? So it, uh, I mean, especially if I'm in like North Brooklyn these days, but even so, uh, where we were at Littlefield for a party and there was just so many uh, people there that I recognized and uh, clearly everybody is suffering from that face recognition overload where you think you know who you're talking to and then it turns out they're Look, not there the are too many people. I said it once before. I'll say it again. There should be another 9-11. Okay, moving forward. Oh! <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by those <laughs> are do not express those of... <laughs> The host, I, 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 I now that know already. for a fact that you were not born in New York. Me? Yeah, were you? Yeah. What the fuck? Where in New Look, York I'm just you? really edgy. I'm so sorry. That's Any- funny. <laughs> no, I, feel like- I grew up in Lenox Hill. Uh, or I, what am I saying? Growing up in Lenox Hill. I grew up in a hospital. I was born in <laughs> Lenox Hill and then I grew up in uh, Westchester. My, I, Yeah, my mom came home from work that day and I was like, oh, cool, my mom's home. Wait, um, Westchester <laughs> doesn't count. So what are you saying? Westchester is New okay. York. My mom works across the street from uh, the UN. I lived closer to Midtown growing up than I do now in Brooklyn. What, where, where, do oh, you hail? where do you hail? Where, where do, do you hail? hail? Where do you reign? Uh, right now Brooklyn. I live in, yeah, now I live in Brooklyn. You live in Brooklyn then, now, but where did, you, where did you grow up in Westchester? I grew up in this place called Bronxville. Sure, where Sarah Lawrence is. Yeah, which is so funny because Sarah Lawrence, in terms of uh, principles and virtue, is the exact opposite of where I grew up. Bronxville is very Republican. I mean, you could be a Staten Island in New York City just as well. But even so, in comparison to other places in Westchester. Yeah, people were real overt about it. So <laughs> Overt, you say? Yeah. <laughs> How does one go about being overt? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I, had, <laughs> I was the president of my pro-choice club and the football team. Uh, they vandalized my pro-choice posters. What? Uh, yeah. They, How did they get a whole... I saw them do it, and that's how I knew it was them. But then, what did you know, you I to... didn't say anything. Why didn't you like, say something? What did so they quiet. write? I was so shy. <laughs> uh, I think they just like drew on top of them, or just like I don't remember the specifics, but it was definitely like uh, stop it, or they like ripped it, or they wait. So were these? We don't like this. <laughs> this was in high school, though. Yeah, right? they were just uh, teenage boys who were like, we don't like women asserting anything. Imagine that, right? Yeah. I remember in middle school, this one boy, Ryan, I won't say his last name, uh, he was like, I don't like feminists because feminists are angry and they're always yelling. 
and he was in seventh grade. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I'm, wow. I'm envisioning somebody. His dad. Yeah, I'm. I'm envisioning. Where's mom? Fucking yeah. Republican. Like yeah. A, uh, uh, overmasculated uh, Napoleon complex kind of kid who's like super short and probably just annoyed that like nobody wants to talk to him, women or men alone, uh, other boys alone. Uh, I think he just had real anger issues. He was bipolar, I learned after the fact. Yeah. And uh, he, I could tell you, he became like an addict later on and uh, has real emotional turmoil. Was it because of his abusive family? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> that's my guess. <laughs> I know that he had intense parents, but I don't yeah. know oh, yeah. the specifics. So I know some specifics and it, I don't even know him. <laughs> I, I'm curious about how we improve our ability to not have to be so personally uh, vexed by what we uh, experience with the behaviors that are a lot less uh, easy to deal with. So like if you're dealing with somebody who has that kind of issue when you're younger, are you reactionary to it or are you willing to just sort of embrace and understand that that's their issue so you can look past it and not take too much offense? Oh, I internalized it. I was like, yeah, you're right. Feminists are evil monsters. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're smart. You get straight A's. And, uh, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> this kid got straight A's. Yeah, he went to Harvard. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. And then when did he have the drug problem in between? Oh, in college. Yeah. He like realized, oh, I'm not. Well, no, this is projecting, but uh, I can't say. I was going to finish the sentence being like, oh, he realized he wasn't the smartest person in the room. And then people like have an identity crisis. But that's just my theory. Uh, my <laughs> mean spirited theory. <laughs> it's unfortunately a theory that might apply to many folks whom grow up thinking they're the shit and then they may think that they're the shit when they're in college and then they just throw all of their mind away. I don't know if he ever thought he was the shit, but, you know, I think if you identify so strongly with being intelligent and then everyone is constantly challenging you, it warps your sense of self. Alongside being very involved with the extracurriculars, were your grades very high as well? No, I often thought of myself as a fuck up. I was like in those extra help classes, and uh, but, but you what, went to them. Uh, yeah, well, not that's a fuck a, up. I, well, I exactly. Cut, I yeah, cut those classes. <laughs> right. I was so anxious in my head. I'm like, wow, Blair, you're gonna go to summer school when really, like, I graduated high school with like a 3.0, which is fine. Yeah, but- <laughs> better than yo, better than me. I don't even know what my GPA. Well, I was like, that was college, but high school. We didn't have GPAs in high school I where I went. I did. So I think I knew it, but like it wasn't relevant. It may have been like a two. Mm. And then in college, it was a four. If I had Hell yeah. Which is like <laughs> ridiculous. If right. I had known what my GPA was in high school, if I did have a GPA, it may have encouraged me to try to you know, give myself that extra boost in college to make sure that I wasn't graduating with a GPA that was exactly the same number as the age that I graduated. So we can move on what? from <laughs> You're looking at I me still so don't get it. Your age, Catherine, yeah. was my GPA. Two point oh. Twenty. Oh, uh, okay. No, twenty one. Two point one. Okay. Technically two technically- I'm like you can't be four years old. It doesn't make sense. That's why I was like, this doesn't make sense. I, I, something I, I brag about. Let me tell you. No. Uh, <laughs> he graduated college when he was 40. 40. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a young 43. <laughs> um, so you, you needed a little bit of assistance. I was like that way as well. I, ha- I had ADD. I have ADD. I was uh, you know, going and doing the extended time SATs and all that. Um, so I definitely. Yeah, I had extra time. Time and a half. 
sometimes double time. Double time. Double yeah, time. double time. You uh I have ADD as well. But then I went on ADD medication and I'm like, I feel like I'm having a panic attack at all times. <laughs> when did you do you have any on you? Um, no, I like <laughs> without telling anyone in college, I just stopped taking it and made like I reparented myself. I'm like, you need to do some like life overhaul and just completely uh, changed every single thing about my lifestyle. <laughs> you didn't sell it? Uh, no, I just quietly was like, y- you're not taking behavioral meds anymore. Oh, you could have sold it. <laughs> yeah. You should have sold it. I know. I you would have made a lot of money. In yeah. college? Yeah, I could have. Of course. For how long were you taking medication and what were you taking, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I took three different ADD medications, not at the same time. Good. Uh, That's good. <laughs> they were consecutive. Yeah. I know at one point I was taking Concerta, Vyvanse. There was one other one that I don't remember the name of. But uh, yeah, like one of them made me feel like a real zombie. Like I was not intact with my... I just didn't feel crystallized in my thinking. I'm just like, I can't express myself. It's just like everything feels foggy. Um, and then the other one is just like, I just feel like I'm about to have a panic attack at all times. Mm. So uh, it just really upped my anxiety, which was already quite high. I've never heard of those medications. Yeah, I take back what I said. Those street price on those will not be <laughs> <laughs> worth selling. Vyvanse is quite popular. Really? Yeah. What's it called? Vyvanse. Vyvanse. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to ask my guy. All I took, all <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I, I, I come from the old okay. school, the 90s versions of uh, Adderall, Adder- Adderall <laughs> and um, Ritalin for a yeah, minute. Yeah, Ritalin. Ritalin is the popular one. Ritalin was the first, did not work. And then I was taking Zoloft, I think, too, sort of combating. It. No, it was for de- it was for depression uh, or like, you know, mood swings, etc. But I was also like really young and that did not work. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, my I had a psychiatrist in high school who tried to put me on meds for depression. And I'm like, you are not listening to me. I am not depressed. This is incidental. <laughs> and I want to murder you. <laughs> I- <laughs> I'm not depressed. I'm homicidal. <laughs> You're not listening to me. You're just trying to get a kickback, you evil man. <laughs> That's so perfect. It was Ritalin and then Zoloft and then Prozac. And uh, those were very, very short stints. Adderall for a long time. And then they put me on Stratera, which... You were saying that one. Oh, yeah. It Stratera made you feel like a was, zombie. That right. shit was like. That one was the one that made me feel like a zombie. That was the second one I took. How old were you when you took it, though? 17. Wow. Which is the worst time. You should not have taken that that young. <laughs> I was taking it at 20, 21, and I still felt like, nope, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately was like, this doesn't feel right. I it, feel... it made me feel awful. It made yeah. me feel like. I felt like I was living in a cloud. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and grateful. What's your problem? It, you're like Alice and Dorothy. You're in this magical, amazing land. And you're like, I want to go home. You just wear like, black and white. It almost feels like you're muzzled. Like you can't like properly communicate yeah. what you feel. Or like nail down what you feel or what you think. Oh, that's weird. That's why Ambivalence? I... Yeah. That's mm. why I had to stop taking it. And even though Adderall and the XR version, where it's like a time release, it made me feel a lot better because it was at least a point where I can just take it over a period of time. Over over a certain amount of months, it became evident that whether it was a higher dosage or a lower dosage, we couldn't really figure out exactly the right dosage. And if it was too low, it wouldn't be effective at all at keeping my attention in place or if it was too high, 
made me perspire, which was really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, can you imagine just like during the day and it's not even that hot out and drip comes from your underarm? It's yeah. gross. And like, that's all because of the amount of uh, of dosage <laughs> that you're taking in an upper. Just a human drip drop emoji. I hate it. Oh, yes. Yes. What is it supposed to be for, by the way? The drip drop emoji. Um, I need to know this before well, we keep going. Well, I think it's uh, a Warshak test of where your mind is. I always think it's calm, but, you know, to each their own. Is it this one? Yeah. The latter. The, the, the latter. Yeah, no, it's totally calm or squirt. God yeah. damn it. Look We're at that. squirting. We're squirting all over the place. So an eggplant and the little, like, drip drop is basically porn We're just emoji. wet. You know, we're, we're all wet. I mean, what else could it be? Splashback? Like you're peeing? Yes, there we go. Yeah, no, there's nothing else it is. <laughs> I, or like, I guess it's meant to communicate perspiration, perhaps, but... Sure. Um, But really, they put that eggplant in there for a reason, you know? They like Eggplant did. is not that common, you know? Yeah. Were you texting a lot when you were younger? I know that you're uh, a little... Uh, not too much younger, but uh, you grew up in the 90s, so yeah. phone usage... Uh, <laughs> just doing dirty phone, emojis phone, doing, yeah. doing like texts and facebook and social sure. media was uh likely pretty big for you around high school yes in high school definitely um i got my first cell phone when i was in sixth grade but it was like a flip phone oh yeah i think my first smartphone was maybe ninth grade i think it was a blackberry but even then it was like super slow to get on social media and stuff like that so i wasn't on social at least like for the first half of high school and then it became like a full-blown addiction you know you have your like little teenage mind mm -hmm. and it's just like i just want to stalk everyone i am jealous of or have a crush on for like <laughs> hours and hours and hours so <laughs> like, though you didn't really before grow like the term fomo it was oh. even created like there was no like, self-awareness uh just like jealousy, <laughs> jealousy. Envy. Uh, well yeah it's just like put your little teenage brain on social media before there's like any self-awareness about it being like toxic or unhealthy and i'm just like i feel just tortured <laughs> what was the site that you remember going to a lot when you were first starting to use the internet i did myspace when i was in middle school okay i did a lot of online video games when i was in middle school and then what else i loved going on to like music blogs i watched a lot of youtube as well like a lot of 80s david letterman i would like binge old interviews old like talk show interviews you do this show called as if mm -hmm. uh you're certainly knee deep in 90s culture yeah so by having that access to the internet and learning all about it uh you must have gone on some pretty tubular whatever the right um rad the ra <laughs> the, the, the most raddest of rabbit cool. holes when you're a teenager you just want to like binge all the media that you think is cool and especially like oh the first pop music that you listened to growing up that was all like 90s pop music and so when I was in high school I definitely like went back and like learned everything about the musicians that I first heard you know like Alanis Morissette I like I remember being in cars like listening to Alanis Morissette as a child so then you go back and you listen as a developing teenager and then you like learn everything about that musician coming full circle on your earliest musical memories. I don't know. Does that make sense? Am I rambling? I'm rambling. No, you're not rambling. <laughs> what was, do you know what the song was the day you were born? <laughs> oh, I've definitely looked it up. I think it was a, a Whitney Houston song. I Will Always Love You or? 
I don't recall, but I def- I looked up if it wasn't the day, it was definitely like, like uh, the most popular. Dance, you want <laughs> it was Boys Two Men, End of the Road. When you used Boys Two Men so close. Yeah. <laughs> My dad loved Boys Two Men. He would constantly play this live recording of them. My dad was a jazz musician, but like he loved this for some very specific reason. And he just That video. We, yeah. He didn't play the video, but he loved this live concert. Like Boys to Men and like Blue Contrell for some reason he really like locked into. Interesting. And would play again and again. Whenever you would get the ride from him in the car, you would mm-hmm. be listening to this album in yeah, the car. Yeah, it would be like Duke Ellington and Boys to Men. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So your father was listening to some cool music. Was your mother as well? Oh, for sure. Yeah. My dad is jazz and like a little bit of R&B. And then my mom is very much like 70s rock. She is the biggest David Bowie fan. So a lot of David Bowie growing up, a lot of Beatles, uh, Jimi Hendrix, just like classic rock, really. But then she also loved like 90s female singer songwriters. Like she loves PJ Harvey, um, you know, Alanis Morissette. Uh, She loves Fiona Apple. I love Fiona Apple. Uh, she loves Shirley Manson of Garbage. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And just like all those ladies little fair ladies are any of your siblings or part of your family involved in the performing arts or was comedy something that you involved yourself in sort of completely away from everybody else in your life um comedy is not a part of my family although my brother was always incredibly funny and I always thought that he was going to be a stand-up comedian especially because he was the one who was so obsessed from as early as I can remember like, he owns, like, every single box set of, like, Seinfeld. He would watch it obsessively. This is your every older single- sibling? Yeah, this is my brother. He's four and a half years older. Uh, we watched, like, Arrested Development as it aired together. Mm-hmm. He would always play, like, George Carlin, uh, like, as I'm, like, four or so. You know, just, like, I I don't know how he, like, locked into all this stand-up comedy at such a young age, but he did, and he would constantly play it. And then just because I loved him so much, and I'm just like, I want you to like me, <laughs> I would just watch with him. And he'd be like, Blair, stop breathing. And I'm like, okay, as long as you love me, I'm here. <laughs> and <laughs> so I would just, like, watch all of this, like, very misogynist stand-up with him. And so I, like, women can't be comedians. <laughs> and so I always thought, like, oh, he'd be the stand-up comedian and uh i always thought that i would pursue some other form of art no no housewife stuff my mom was a single mom so i like and she worked really hard she always was the breadwinner i always had like a good role model in that sense i always thought that i was gonna work we're gonna be listening to clips later but you were involved in girl scouts that was something that your mother really wanted you to be involved in uh i think she felt indifferent i think she just wanted me to socialize (laughs) (laughs) well obviously yeah i mean yeah there's always going to be those opportunities of social engagement. For me, it was camp every summer. Yeah. Are you Jewish? Am I? There we go. Let okay. Me, let, let, uh, let's sleep talk. camp. Yeah. I, you went to a Jew camp Yeah, too? I did. Um, oh, it wasn't sorry, identified Catherine. as a Jew camp. <laughs> I went to Greece. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? You're better than both of us. But I know. <laughs> we probably had happier summers. No. Nope. Nope. Was it Young Judea or USY or... Uh, no, it wasn't affiliated. Okay. Uh, it just, the demographic was Jewish. Okay. It wasn't like, it, it was wet we hot didn't American study summer. Torah, but everyone there was Jewish. Yeah. I went to Camp Taconic in the Berkshires of Massachusetts and it was a great time. 
I could be weird and no one was mean to me. And uh... <laughs> all, that's, the, well, that's the beauty of camp is yeah. that every summer, if you're going to somewhere different, you could become really, you could reset yourself, if, yeah. if anything, <laughs> that you didn't have to be the same person that everybody knows you during the school year. Yeah. It's like come September, back to being, you know, the right. dork that you are known to be. And then in the summer, you may just have that opportunity to not be that. Yeah, Did you guys you're... ever do something like that? Like wear a leather jacket or like some sort <laughs> of like identity changing thing? Well, I think when you're in the summer, you're changing your outfit a little bit. So it gives you a chance to sport some really cute clothes. <laughs> yeah, I really think that going to sleepaway camp gave me the sense of like, oh, I'm stylish because everyone always has to borrow my clothes. And I put outfits together for other people and let all my bunkmates wear my clothes. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission, make a one-time donation or a monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Download the Radio Free Brooklyn app, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone, or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. Subscribe to the RFB newsletter. Radio Free Brooklyn, R-E-A-D-I-O, Free Brooklyn. The emails will only come once a month. Take a listen to all of our past episodes at lostandrewound.podomatic.com. We are chatting this week with Blair Dawson, and we have Catherine Dunn here in the studio as well. Uh, we've been chatting about Blair's upbringing, and we, at this time, actually want to talk a little bit about making love with you, effectively. Making love with Blair Dawson. Making love with Blair Dawson, um, because we are fabricating love. <laughs> yes. So uh, the one reason I bring this up is because the format for the show is rather cool. It's basically you have a guest every week. Mm-hmm. that Every other week. Every other week, and you have this guest on. And it, the show is simply asking these questions back and forth, or mm-hmm. you just ask them? Well, I have to figure it out moving forward because, I mean, I don't want to give the same answers every week. But the the reason why you fall in love using these 36 questions is because it's supposed to lead to mutual vulnerability. And mutual vulnerability is what leads to intimacy. Right. Now, because of the exact nature of this query, you have supplied these questions that you do every week that's from a New York Times article. So well, it's, right? it, that's what made it go viral, the New York Times article, but okay. it's a study. It's a study. Yeah, by... it's a psychological study by author Aaron on intimacy that came out through Stony Brook and they yeah. did this study where they put a bunch of strangers into the room and had them. They basically nailed down these 36 questions that would essentially fabricate a sense of intimacy that you would define as love at the end. At this time, if we can do this at all quickly, maybe we can just sort of go through maybe some of the questions. Catherine and I maybe could go back and forth with some of the questions. So you want to fall it. in love with me? Well, <laughs> there there are three people here in the studio. Blair has already done it before. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be happy for her to do it. But since we're here. We're supposed to make eye contact too, right? Well, is there is one prompt where you're supposed to make eye contact with another person for, I think it's four minutes. But it depends on... The one that you pull up. There are different variations of the 36 questions. So she's going to read it. Uh, Larry, you're going to read it. And then Catherine and I will answer. Okay. Starting from the top. 
pick and choose whichever questions you want to answer. They don't have to be all okay. of them. Okay. Well, I'm going to start from one that I always think gets an interesting answer. And I think it's what would constitute a perfect day for you? The beach with my dogs. Oh my God, that's a good answer. Like, same. <laughs> uh, but my cat too. Uh, no, anything where I don't have to do anything and I get to do something like the beach or something with lots of leisure and animals. See, your answers are so brief. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, well, we, well, it's because I want to give room for other answers. Sure. Well, my other perfect day would be like waking up on time and doing all the things I have on my schedule or to-do list. The per- that would be the perfect day? day. Perfect day would start out with sex and then we would go get coffee and really delicious breakfast and then drive out to the beach where we'll have our dogs and, uh, you know, go and just be outside forever. I don't know what would happen later, but honestly, I think... As long as you're seizing the day, whatever happens in the night is, you know, irrelevant. There would mm. definitely be crepes. Maybe a nap. Mm. Yeah. You guys answered that so fast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's impressive. Yeah, my ideal day, I, I've thought about it. And uh, yeah, I think it's me waking up in a foreign country with friends. And we go get breakfast somewhere. We go hiking. Um, and then maybe end the day. At someone's house party. Yeah. And then I end the day with maybe a smooch with someone I have a crush on. We don't (laughs) consummate, but I get a full eight hours of sleep. Yes. That is a good call. Yeah. (laughs) I just want want like a flirtation and a smooch and then we go our separate ways so I can get a full night's sleep. Damn right. What's next? Name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. The two of you are okay. supposed oh. to... Okay, let's just take okay. it. So name, name three things that we have in common. What do we have in common? We love weed. We we are big potheads. <laughs> I, I mean, it's rough times out there. You got to find a way to resist somehow. We have the same exact thing to hold our weed in. And we both came up with it on our own. I was at the container store. Oh. Where were you when you bought yours? Probably there, but yeah. not at the same time. Right? No, we like separately. And I had to like change the things to make it the specific color that it is it wasn't like standard options so he and i both went in and were like no i want this with this and took it apart and then did what we wanted uh we're both actors yeah that's true we both do improv and karaoke yes we both have shows on radio free brooklyn yes we actually have a lot in common it's i I was we're obsessed with animals yeah Oh, wow. You guys already have a beautiful friendship based on so many mutual interests. Mostly weed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In high school, I was constantly told that it's a social unifier. It It is. It it is. Only weirdos don't clicks. (laughs) What's next? Um, For what in your life do you feel most grateful? For what in my life do I feel most grateful? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful for so much. That's so funny. Well, you just like off the top of your head. What are you thinking? Um, uh, uh, shelter, food, um, water, uh, love. Uh, I mean, there's so much and opportunities and being able to get second chances. Um, the more specific, the better. My grandmother. That Why? I still have her. That she's here. That I can call her. That I talked to her this morning. Mm-hmm. My family. Like that. That the people who still exist still exist. But why does that make you grateful? Why is uh, calling your grandmother? Because something? my entire my father's entire side's pretty much dead. Mm-hmm. So like having a family member that's like Allah is amazing, and also she's done a lot of amazing things for me. Oh yeah, so yeah. support. Yeah. yeah, I'm grateful for maps because if <laughs> without maps, 
I would never know where lost. I'm going. I would never. So, so literally in metaphor, specifically so, Google Maps. Yeah, like not, I, you don't know how to read a map, do you? <laughs> like realistically, <laughs> think about it. It's funny because I'm. You're grateful I, for GPS. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for knowing where I'm going. I'm grateful for there to be directions if I'm in a bind, so that I know where I'm going constantly. I drive a lot more now these days, so if I feel enough of a big head to get where I'm going without looking at a map, fine. But then if I don't, it's good that I have that option if I need it. Technology is there to assist me. But uh, yeah, I laugh because I can't really read an actual map that well. (laughs) And I'm made fun of constantly for it. So I'm used to it. I think it's common. It's common to not know how to read maps. Mm. Yeah. My answer is always like, well, I'm grateful to have all of my basic necessities met, like mainly water, clean drinking water is huge, or just the fact that I don't think where my next meal is coming from. I live in a place where it's like, oh, I don't worry if I'm like walking by myself, that uh, I'm like free to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially in college, I had a friend from Venezuela. She was just like, I'm in America and I feel free. <laughs> just like I am so used to being driven or like chauffeured like from door to door. I've never experienced just like walking outside. I can just walk outside here and it's incredible. And I went to school in Savannah, Georgia, which is like not particularly safe. But you went to SCAD? Awesome. Uh, yeah, it was a great school. Um, but she just got there and immediately was like, freedom! I can walk outside! I can stroll! <laughs> and that's something that I think we take for granted, that we can stroll, that we can that go we on have. leisurely walks. It's, it's, and yeah. sometimes you don't need a map. Yeah. You don't need a compass. You can get lost and you'll be fine. Yeah. What's next? Okay. What is your most treasured memory? Catherine? I have a lot of treasured memories. Well, what first comes to mind? Like, I think there's a lot of pressure when there's, like, most favorite. I mean, my grandfather immediately came to mind. Yeah. um, Because he was amazing. And everything with him was fun and funny and perfect. And he was, like, really supportive. And we did, like, creative things. But I can't think of, like, one specific. It's just all of it. Great, like, familial support. Yeah. I think it might have been when I adopted my first dog. Hell yeah. One, one, of, one of the top moments for sure. Because, uh, and I went there recently, actually. I went to Bark in Williamsburg. Everybody should uh, go there and adopt from them. They're wonderful. Um, but uh, their uh, facilities are over in Williamsburg. And I was going by there actually recently to drop off a bunch of donations. So I went and I dropped off the donations. And um, the animals. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> just like uh, uh, syringes and fluids and toys and um, some beds, etc. Just a lot of stuff. But um, seven years ago, I adopted my dog, Max, and we knew that this dog was good to go. Like, we were going to adopt him. It was really, really sweet. And, you know, when you go into a shelter, it's painful. It's really rough. This guy saw us and immediately he got up on his hind legs and was basically standing. And he had his legs on my knee. And I just immediately was so in love with him. Like, it was like he knew that I was coming to get him. So that was a really sweet moment, and it occurred to me that there was like a new lease on life, you know, being able to take care of an animal that needed a new home, and uh, 
we continued that like crazy dog people, my wife and I. But uh, that said, uh, it that was like the first animal that I ever adopted. Um, Not to be confused with the day you proposed, she said yes, or the day yeah. you were married. That was God no. forbid you have a child, then you'll have competing yeah. memories. <laughs> no, I think the dog still wins. No, I mean th- th- that's a whole other story I can talk about the day I proposed. But uh, not, but I think you have one that you have to share now. What like a specific the treasured memory you said about your or what you said about your grandma grandpa grandfather yeah like what's the specific thing about your grandfather that you guys did that you like treasure I don't know I like we would go to like um fairs mm-hmm. like carnival type things he didn't like to ride stuff so he liked to win stuff and like my mom yeah I would always come back with a bunch of crap like not good stuff but like crap toys you know what I mean mm-hmm. like things that you win at a carnival and bags of them like giant bags of these stuffed animals and my mom was like okay nothing you're not allowed to bring home anything this week and it was like okay and that was the week that I won a gigantic pony mm-hmm. like that I could sit on <laughs> and like <laughs> ride it was a huge pony like a stuffed pony and she's like you've got to be kidding me yeah like I said nothing <laughs> and it's like a giant pony that sounds just like the most precious thing ever. Right. <laughs> See, the more specific, the better. I didn't even go home. Like I was dropped off at a, my mom's friend's house. So now I'm at the friend's house with this giant pony, like riding it <laughs> down. It's like a weird thing where like she's up and then someone else is down. It's like a hilly area. So like the neighbor is like mm-hmm. five feet down, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like jumping down. With, like this. There's pony. so many layers to that. Like you earned that pony. So you're like really <laughs> proud of it. Then you earned it and you're with your grandfather who loves you. And then there's an element of like, oh, come on. Your mom is like, oh, <laughs> really? And so, <laughs> yeah. So there's like humor and there's play. <laughs> What's you, I mean, if there isn't one that you have said all the time, Blair, what is your most treasured memory? It's so hard to nail down. Like, I think it changes a lot. Yeah, I know. It's I also realized that a lot of my treasured me- memories have to do with being on drugs, which is so crazy. Just because I have a lot of neuroses and then when I'm on drugs, my inner consciousness is just like, you're safe, you're fine, you're okay. And then I just like have a period of growth afterwards. Yeah. I remember the first time I took shrooms. Uh, I honestly think that, you know, I was actually like pretty depressed growing up and then I took shrooms and then there was like a voice in my head that was just like, you're safe, you're fine, you're okay. And then I all of a sudden like felt comfortable to like stop being a perfectionist and like stop putting so much pressure on myself and then really started to like succeed mm-hmm. in at least academically and well, I don't know. when was that um that was when i that was like the end of my freshman year of college it's a good time to do it uh, yeah yeah i we were it was informative it was it, it's an informative time because if at least you're doing it with people who at that point you hopefully trust um i never did shrooms because i was always more concerned with who i was doing it with than um where i was doing it it's just about the company you keep i suppose yeah yeah the people i did it with uh they were very sweet they were just like sweet stoners yeah um there was this one girl though she was so depressed and when she did it we were all like pretty silent. We were on the beach and it was at night and we were just like on a blanket together and we were all just like having our own trip, our own journey. And then all of a sudden this other girl, she just like started crying out of nowhere. And then she just like saying, I wish I had never been born. And then we we're like, oh, OK, check, please. Time to go. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then we we're just like, yeah, it's time to leave. <laughs> and what drug was that? Um, that was shrooms. And how long into it? 
Um, I think it was maybe an hour in. Oh my god, you left this hours. girl alone on shrooms in that state? No, 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 no. We were like, oh, I guess it's now time to leave the beach together. I'm over kind here of being you like, out of the high a little bit, right? I was, I was like, everything's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> You're great. And then she's over here being like, I want to kill myself. And like, okay, well, <laughs> did leaving the beach help? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. the be- well. Then she later wrote a blog post about how she wished she didn't take shrooms and like couldn't stop thinking about how she wished she had never existed at all. Did you blog post a lot? I had my own Tumblr, but it was like more like a mood board. I used it as a mood board. Like I just reposted a lot of imagery where i like enjoyed the aesthetics of it that's what tumblr is good for yeah by that time i imagine it might have been getting to the point where you were able to foster your uh funny in not necessarily online but in person in our our live in a live setting well i never saw myself as funny even though when i talk to people about it now they were like oh yeah no you're funny it's just the way you say things is funny but yeah i always like thought of myself as I would surround myself with funny people. Yeah. And I just really like comedy. And I, well, I've always loved comedy. And then I just w- always had funny friends, mm-hmm. but I never saw myself as funny. I was, w- was really shy. Although I was like pretty, I was like a mumbler and I would just like quietly mumble snarky things growing <laughs> up. And then the only people who were like immediately next to me could hear and thought it was funny. Let's take a listen now, actually, to one of the two clips you provided, and maybe we'll see a little bit of that uh, communication on display. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to set this first one up? I had so many photos of myself as a baby going through this, like, stone archway. And so here I think I'm 11. It's like Fourth of July parade, and my Girl Scout troop walked in the parade. And so I'm there with my mom just kind of like reflecting on the passage of time because I remember going through as a toddler and now I'm 11 looking back. Hi Blair. I love this wall. When you get old, you get weird. No! When you get old, you get weird. Yeah. Hey, I was perceptive. (laughs) I would just like say absurd, silly things because I wanted to make my mom laugh. (laughs) Did she laugh? Yeah. Nice. At that age, when you are seeing and experiencing memories that at that time are not really they're not like that old that being reminiscent is going to be as important in your mind yeah but if you're reflecting as an 11 year old to when you were three that's like oh that was a forever ago yeah exactly right (laughs) yeah i just like remember the distinct thought of oh as i get older time seems to go faster and (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, oh, God, that felt like a year ago felt like a lifetime ago. Because if you are that age, it does feel like a lifetime ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was just kind of really obsessed with memory and time. 
Do you have as close of a connection with where you grew up as you did when you were younger? I think the town itself is very idyllic and very beautiful. And I have attachments to buildings and like delis, restaurants. Yeah. But the culture of the town is incredibly fucked up. Yeah. And I have no interest in ever really are your parents, staying there. Are your parents both from there as well? Uh, No. Uh, no. My dad, he was born in Arizona. He was raised in San Diego. Um, and then he went back there when I was 10 to 18. My mom, she grew up in Scarsdale, so she grew okay. up pretty close. Yeah. And then she lived in Manhattan for like 20 years. Would you say that Savannah probably provided you with a home away from home for you to feel somewhat close to? More than even your own um, hometown? Yeah. Well, I definitely identify with the culture of Savannah more than Bronxville. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bronxville is a waspy and Irish Catholic town. I'm yeah. Jewish. Everyone there is like super repressed. A lot of uh, functioning alcoholic parents, a lot of parents that prioritize money over everything. Yeah. There's like a lot of dehumanizing behavior, a lot of, uh, boys like young boys growing up that were never held accountable for their really awful behavior yeah like i'll give you an example this one girl she told people that her parents were going to be away that weekend and the football team they came in by the way they were all totally roided out um they came and they destroyed her home effectively they drank all of her dad's 100 year old scotch smashed all the bottles in their like wine cellar and uh they like punched a hole in her wall they took all of her christmas ornaments and they smashed them on the ground uh they peed on her mother's wedding dress they did like a double decker in one of the toilets and essentially like broke into her home and like destroyed her home and they were like not held accountable for their behavior she was held accountable for it uh because all the parents are like my son no not at all he's a saint he's an angel uh there's one parent i remember her saying like oh i don't want girls to come over to our home because what if they accuse my boy of raping them i that can't you know and she's like oh well then maybe your son is a fucking rapist yeah i find <laughs> there this... was just like a lot of casual yeah. date rape and i just Ugh. like thought it, I, you know like i was assaulted in college and then i was Oh, well, he was drinking. It's like, whatever, blah, because that's the culture that I grew up in is like to think that, oh, well, that's just like boys being boys. I mean, it's unfortunate that I have to say this, but it sounds as if almost like it's something that is across the board. It's not reflective of one town or the other. I think it's just... No, but I think it's especially rooted in the culture of where I grew up. Woodstock was certainly a little more uh, hippy-dippy left-leaning, and parents, I would hope, like mine, spoke very responsibly to their children about how to behave in social settings. I know that I luckily was uh, getting that, and I can't say the same for everybody else, but... The difference I had, I think, was that I was going to a smaller school of affluent uh, families who were a little more uh, I went wise. to a small, small school. It was, uh, For real? Yeah, it was, uh, there were 100 people in my graduating class. Shit. Yeah. You went to a private school, too? No, it wasn't a private school. It was a public school. It was a public school with yeah. 100 kids in the graduating class? Well, the class. taxes were so high that it, not, I mean, it's a one square mile town. Yeah. I was in a, it was just a private school, like a class of 23 or whatever but the other option i had was a public school where it was like 600 kids or something in the grade Mm -hmm. so but that and so the things that were happening there sound a lot like 
what you just described uh, abhorrent teenage behavior Size without any doesn't matter <laughs> no, it, it doesn't it doesn't at all it's all about the demographic for sure thank you for sharing all that this is like really very helpful uh to be talking about and i certainly hope that our listeners are very uh well why do you think it's helpful i think it's helpful because it, cha- it shows that nothing ever changes i don't think that's true I mean, I think it's the getting better. There is evolving. It gets better. It gets better, and no matter what, it'll get better. But all of this behavior has been continuing, and it's uh, rather annoying how slow it is to progress past these points. Well, I was even just like writing in my journal the other day. It's just like, uh, on one hand, or just like being jealous of younger people, just because I wish consent was a part of the mainstream totally. cultural conversation when I was growing up. It totally wasn't. And so if you are assaulted and you don't have the language for what that is, or you don't know what that looks like, or I think like a lot of men growing up or like boys, if you're a child, it's like, oh no, like, or I think course of sex used to be just like a part of our sexual culture i guess and that is not consensual sex and i don't think that it previously was looked at as assault it wasn't look at like revenge of the nerds yeah exactly so like any like 80s romp like involved like coercive sex and that is not consensual sex and so i think like i wish i grew up in a time where like that was like a part of the cultural mindset so though you didn't get to grow up in it, you have the ability to be a teacher, somebody with that experience to help others uh, who are younger than you grow and learn yeah, from that Yeah, I was a camp counselor and like they would say like disturbing things to me or like uh, some uh, even just like uh, a couple. There were I remember there was this one CIT like counselor in training. Oh, boy. Where uh, she was just kind of like, oh, I gave him a hand job. I didn't want to. But like he asked and I didn't want to be rude. And I was like, if you don't want to, then do not. And I constantly would like try to relay that to any campers that I had. Let's uh, actually get right back into uh, the next clip here. Uh, You did provide a second clip here of you as a a Girl Scout. uh, And you're talking to your mom. I guess it's the same day that you're doing this? Uh, Oh, yeah. It was like a few minutes after. (laughs) This was something you did during the summer during all year round, right? What do you mean? This The the Girl Girl Scouts was an all year round thing. Or this was during during the summer, this clip. Oh, yeah. That was like during... uh, That was after a parade of some sort. A parade... Let's find out what this one has to offer. Okay. Another walk down memory lane. Glowing <laughs> wishers. Darn it. Oh well. I hope your wish comes true. Ta da! <laughs> Uh, th- in those last seconds, uh, there's a very proud Blair who's freeze framing a uh, very victorious, Bravado. victorious <laughs> stance uh, after blowing. Wh- what are those flowers called again? Uh, they're dandelions. Like, yeah, they're dandelions, dandelions. But the ones where like you, uh, you have to not the yellow ones. The ones where you like blow it out. Uh, Wait, so there are non-blowout dandelions? No, like, it's a dandelion, but it's after like, it flowers. It turns right. into this white thing <sighs> to make more flowers. Got it. Yeah, exactly. I'm learning so much. And then instead of like blowing it all out, I just picked it and then was like, ta-da. When you see yourself on video, what, what was your impression 
of the world at 11 where like you you know where you you hadn't been like jaded by uh like the awful people that you were I mean, talking that's about. not true my dad was emotionally abusive so oh, like okay. yeah so he had rage issues and those are my first memories of him like snapping and like not like not violent but like real emotional outbursts right. of like breaking things you were you had mentioned before um, that you know your mother was a single mother so and you had mentioned that your father was living in san diego from when you were 10 to 18 yeah so um in this clip this is uh just after he had left effectively um yeah a year and so how were you then in that period of time you know dealing with that uh separation uh if no I, I viewed it as a good thing i'm just like oh yeah. good riddance get out of here you crazy man <laughs> It was a relief. Yeah. I mean, I love my father and he is just a very complicated person. And Do you still talk to him? Oh, yeah, of course. I visit him. I'm going to visit him in the fall. Hell yeah. He lives in New Orleans. That's the thing. It's just kind of like, yeah, just because he was like abusive in some capacity doesn't mean that uh, I don't see him as a person who is trying his best. Absolutely. You know, I have compassion for like what he's gone through. So... Like, it wasn't appropriate, and I wish it didn't happen, but people are flawed, and I view my parents as people. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a little bit of an issue with my father's approach to parenting growing up, and with me, it did not get to be that level of heightened scariness, but it got close to it, So, and it felt really hard to have that kind of parenting in the house. And so when I left, I felt that like there was a little bit of that release where I didn't have to worry about that anymore. And you only grow older to appreciate and be compassionate and sensitive to the fact that they even so were still trying. I think what's most important if you're a parent is that you express and show love for your child and make your child know that they're loved. And he thinks the sun shines out of my asshole. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he loves me very much. He thinks I can do anything. He'll call me up and be like, Blair, you know, I noticed on SNL, you got to do political characters. That's how you're going to get on SNL. You know, you got to look at these uh, politicians and just memorize it. You know, you're, <laughs> I can, you're, you're so good. Just you have to believe, it. you know, ugh, he gets so frustrated. I'm just like, OK, that's not how it works. And <laughs> but he's just like, Blair, stop. No, he looks at it. Me being like, OK, that's not how you get on SNL. And yeah. he just looks at me saying that as like Blair you're just not believing in yourself hard enough (laughs) well you do so much it's hard to not think that you are if anything one of the more industrious uh, people out there in your career you're not doing necessarily the SNL thing but you're constantly on many different platforms you went through UCB so you did the whole thing like in terms of what's required before you know being an improver in New York City but what you're doing now uh, reflects so much more of a moving, you know, f- best foot forward type of scenario. Yeah. Any creative pursuit that I'm interested in doing, I just do. Why do we choose to do anything creative at all? Is it to get money? I don't think so. So I'm just like doing the things that I want to do. Yeah. you. Uh, I, we didn't get a chance to chat about the show uh, called You Up, but um, this was a show that you helped create and you yeah, I co-created it with Daphne Gensler. We're both stand-up comedians. Yeah, we 
switch off hosting it every month. And um, yeah, it's a stand-up comedy showcase. And then we also invite audience members to come up in the middle of the show to share an embarrassing story from their love life past. From their love life past. Yes. And sometimes, I mean, a lot of times they are the biggest laughs of the night. Mm -hmm. And whoever has the best story, they win a giveaway from our sponsor, Babeland Toys. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So this idea was birthed out of the two of you wanting to be able to create a safe space with comedy and make people feel comfortable about being able to be uh, talking about these things without feeling like there's a risque nature to it. Like, you know what you're getting into when you go and talking about, um, you know, the world of sex positivity. Well, to be completely frank, I think we were just looking for like a novel idea. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, now it's a good outlet. Yeah. I mean, we definitely don't have any comedians on who are at least not like overtly misogynist or like make people feel really uncomfortable in terms of like bigotry in any sense. Um, that, That tends to happen every now and again in comedy, unfortunately. Yeah. Or I don't know. It's like... It is a gay bar that we're ah, <laughs> putting the show on it. It's called the the corners. The corners. It's not advertised as a gay bar, but it's gay owned. Um, everyone who works there is gay. Um, so we don't want to like, and it's also in bed sty. So especially like representation is important on our show because the people that wander in, it's a very diverse crowd. So we want to represent our crowd in the show. Like it feels more like uh, an intimate show where we're all like exposing ourselves and having fun sounds like you're successfully hitting on all cylinders all the things that uh make you uh, the blair dawson comedian that you are and you're just uh, applying all those things to different outlets thank you so much (laughs) it's very uplifting i am here to uplift i'm here i'm the pillow fluffer they call me (laughs) uh you're a fluffer um, maybe <laughs> that show that you were just talking about you up is at the corners every uh what um day second of the month? wednesday second of wednesday the of month. the month our next show is august 8th you can also find you on twitter and instagram you can find me on instagram at blair simone simone's my middle name and then on twitter at your girl blair you're spelled you are girl spelled normal my name's spelled normal awesome yeah. Blair, thank you so much for being here on Lost and Rewound this week. And thank you so much for having me. I feel so much closer to both of you. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks again to Catherine Dunn. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Alon, and this has been Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. She brings her own headphones. Oh, wow. (laughs) The moment Tom said that it's like sharing someone's toothbrush, I was like, nope. I have shared someone's toothbrush before. Oh, my God, never. Um, Well, that's the thing where it's like, is it that different than sharing someone's cup? I don't share cups. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, it's not to me. (laughs) Right.